I wanted to do a detailed look into love and what, whether it's wor world or God, I wanted to see what is it in a whole world view that dives in to love. So I went to the scripture and I did a quick search on, you know, how many times the word love is mentioned in the Bible. This is only the word love mentioned, not actually discussion about love. In the King James Version, it's in there 310 times. In the NASV Version, it's 348. In the NIV, it's 551 times. And in the New Living Translation, it's 898 times that love is mentioned in the entire scriptures. So I went on to Google and I decided to do a quick search on a lot of different facets of how you can look for love. There are 9,580,000,000 plus results that you can find in 0.96 seconds for books on love. There are 8,340,000,000 plus results in 0.57 seconds for websites on love. There are 7,070,000,000 plus results in 1.18 seconds for movies on love. There are 2,480,000,000 plus results in 0.94 seconds for songs on love and just doing a quick search with your fingertips on a Google. I think the world may be looking for what love looked like. The strongest emotion that you can feel are love and fear. The great thing is, is that 1 John 4.18 says that no, there is no fear in love, but that love, perfect love casts out fear. So really, that search gives you the two sides of it, the positive and the negative, love and fear. But fear has nothing compared to love. So in the scriptures, there are three Greek terms for love. Eros agape, and phileo. And Shoshana will correct me if I said it wrong later. <laughs> agape is the highest and deepest form of love, an unconditional love. Eros is more of a romantic love, and phileo is a friendship-based love. And Ren likes to pick on me because um, I like to say I love you all the time. And he's like, I don't know if you're just saying it because it's, you're used to saying it. But um, there's multiple kinds of love. I could be saying it in a different form all of the time. I just like people to know that I love them. I love you too. Love you too. So as we go through this, I want to, I'm going to go through a, a lot of what the word says about love because First and foremost, for us to understand love, we, under, we need to understand what love says love is. Because God is love. What that means is that love was not a feeling. 
It is who he is. He doesn't feel love. He doesn't feel like loving you. He is the definition of love. So we need to see what he says in the word about love and what it looks like and how you can recognize it because we're looking in so many different places of love and we don't understand what it looks like. And we don't understand what true love is. And we've misconstrued this concept of love to think it's something that you feel about someone all of the time. And that it's a feeling that you have to, you have to be like, oh, I have these butterflies in my stomach, so I definitely have love for this person. And that's not the definition that God is. So we'll start in 1 Corinthians 13, and we're going to read the whole, the whole chapter. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned as a martyr, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there is a gift of prophecy, they will be done away. And if there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face, now I know in part, but when I know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love, abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. We take John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Can you imagine being the father, sacrificing your son for someone else? His love was deep enough, passionate enough, and pure enough with true love for you that he gave 
his son. His love is 100%, even when your love is zero. Because his love is not based on yours. Me and me and Pastor Wren are probably a perfect example of that and being able to explain our story. And um, for those who don't know, we were divorced for two years. And we've been married, oh goodness, 24 years now. Um, but we were divorced for two years. And in the midst of that, I left. I told him I hated him. And I didn't want anything to do with him. I was angry. I was bitter. And I didn't know who I was. And unfortunately, I had to get alone and find out who I was. So that I could accept who he was. And in that time, there was not a day that went by that he gave up on me. He was 100% when I was zero. And that's exactly what God did for you. In the moments where we're angry and we're bitter and we have gone through hell in life and come angry with God because why would you do this to me? Let me help you understand something. The devil robs you every moment he can. And if he can get you to think all of this is God's fault and you accept it, he's winning in your life. God wants the best for you. That doesn't mean it excuses all of the behavior that we have because I had to deal with the consequences of my behavior. God corrects us because he loves us. There is correction in the midst of it. But it doesn't change how much he loves you. here we have amazing people here if you haven't gotten connected here if this is your first time um, then I welcome you <laughs> we're family and this family fights for one another and we will battle and war with you through the hard times and love you and help push you up in the good times and and whatever whatever you need our and we're called freedom fellowship church part of what we do is we are an apostolic training center we believe in you guys me and and Pastor Ren, Pastor Ren's my husband, by the way, for those of you who don't know, he's in Washington, and we definitely, like, Lord bless them right now where they're at, and anoint the service in Washington since they're two hours behind. It's probably perfect timing. Um, 
my heart and everything and in people and seeing people that come in, go out, that connect with us, don't connect with us, is I want to see your heart come alive. My heart is hearts. I want to see all those pieces put back together that got shattered throughout your life that you can't explain You don't need to relive what you went through to be able to live fully to who you are. You just need to release those things and move forward. And that's part of your heart coming back together. And one of the hardest things for everybody is being able to love yourself. Did you know over and over and over and over again in the scriptures, the Lord tells you to love yourself? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. Matthew 19, 18 through 19. Then he said to them, this is a a man approached him saying, what commandments should should we follow all of the time? And so this was part of his answer. So he said to them, and Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 37 through 40 says, He said unto them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. It's easy for us to say that we are to love God is one of the commandments. And we are to love our neighbor. For some reason we break the scripture up and end it there. And there is no period. It is love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't aren't able to love yourself, you aren't able to fully love your neighbor. You can only love someone so much as you understand love. And God's love for you is the purest way of that. And if we understand his character and his character is residing in us, than to say that we don't love ourselves is to say that we don't love who He created us to be, who He is in us. Because once we accept Christ, He is in us and He is to shine out of us. The only Jesus that people see is you in the physical. If you call yourself a Christian and a believer, then you're the only Jesus that people see. And they will not know how to be able to live to the fullness of who they are as the world if they can't see Christ in you. Love is key to everything that we do. Now the last piece of that said on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now, I'm going to get a little teacherish. okay? The first five books of the Bible are considered the whole law, or considered the law. 
That's what they consider for the Old Testament. The rest of the Old Testament, outside of Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, are considered the prophets. You have Isaiah, Jeremiah. Um, when I read this, I see it two-sided. Everybody wants to get a word from a prophet, right? And everybody's wondering nowadays what prophets you should follow. And I believe this scripture tells you that because it's describing Old Testament, yes, but it also is talking about us now in the New Testament. You should, you should love your neighbor, love your God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. And in that, you can judge who you should follow. What prophets do you see that above all else just loves others? So careful who you're watching and use discernment with being able to judge who you should be following by how do they love and who do they love. Are they only loving people who will profit them? Or do they love the day-to-day, the moment-to-moment, any person that approaches them? Because it's exactly what we're called to do. Galatians 5.14 says, The whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5.14 It's very hard to love someone with your whole heart when your whole heart is not whole. There are seasons in our life that shift and change and and there are rough seasons and there are good seasons. And in the rough seasons, sometimes it's difficult to stand on love. Because stress, frustrations, life gets in the way of, of whether or not we can see things clearly. And that happens to all of us. And that's, we are all human and we're to work in progress. That's why we haven't been perfected yet. So we see in part and we prophesy in part because we haven't been perfected to be able to see everything clearly. And... If we can understand that as we go through life, no matter what is coming our way, that what Jesus did was enough. Jesus came to earth, prophesied kingdom, healed, ministered throughout the three years of his ministry, and then was crucified for, for things that were not his own. He was crucified for our sin, for the things that we did. But then he overcame death, hell, and the grave. And he rose again. He took back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. If we can truly understand that, that alone, He overcame death, 
hell and the grave. What does that what does that mean for you? That means I don't care what you're going through because he already won. Your your healing was already done. Your breakthrough already happened. Your freedom is already here. Your cage is no longer holding you because it happened at that time, 2,000 years ago. He already did it. And what 2,000 years ago sounds kind of weird. I'm going through it right now. Except time is not an issue in heaven. Time is now. He did it, and he's continuing to do it. We, you know we are crucified with Christ? With him. And some of those crucifixions that you need to make with him are the things that you're refusing to let go of. Everybody wants to know love. Doesn't matter who you are looking at, what they have done, where they have been, every person alive is looking for love. What does it look like? What is true? All, all those that are going back and forth wondering why do I keep going through relationship after relationship after relationship? Because you need to understand love first and His love. Because if you know Him as love, then you will recognize true love. Deuteronomy 6.5 And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. John 15, 9 through 17. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slaves do not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I choose you. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, 
that you love one another. How do you know love? By loving each other. And you will feel him abiding in you. His commandment is to love first. Not prophesy first. Not heal first. Are those connected with showing love? Absolutely. But if you don't see them with love, then none of it matters anyway. We we have been abundantly blessed this year. We're blessed every year. But we've been abundantly blessed this year with, um, with our people stepping up and just loving each other without us knowing anything about it. Remember um, the first time Dean, big country, went out of town and he, he takes care of his mom and he came back and there were one, if not multiple people from here who randomly just checked on her every single day and connected and talked with her and some spent time with her and it was one of the greatest things to see because I had no idea. We had no idea any of that was happening. People just did it because they knew she was alone and she needed somebody to talk to her. You know? And I don't know how many times we've, we've had random things happen, this happened, that happened, of people going in and out of the hospital or... Um, random people coming up and talking about how different it is that it's recognizable that we're not there but that it didn't change the fact that things kept going and people are doing what needs to be done to show each other that they care there's food trains that go out then I don't even know it's happening until I'm like, oh, that happened? I wish I could have done that. <laughs> you know, and, and for, for people that are in need, there's it's, it's so many random things that go on that are, that are even just the little stuff. You know, helping somebody out to their car or picking something up in the hallway because they notice somebody dropped something and they grab it before they can even get to look to pick it up. There's, there's so many ways that you show love and respect and honor to, to people. And it has grown into a culture. That's what, that's, what's, that's what needs to happen. We talk about, Lord, send your revival, change the city. You're the change of the city. And the way that a city changes is by changing the culture. If the only thing we can do is look at people in the world and wonder why they're acting like the world, then we have really failed. 
Because what we should be doing is looking at them and praying for them and then saying, hey, how can I help? And love that person. Whether or not they're doing something we think is right. Why are we their judge? We are not the judgment for other people. We have no right to question why somebody did not fulfill their promise why somebody is cursing somebody else up and down, why somebody is doing drugs, why somebody is in prostitution, why somebody is doing things that to us, the scriptures are very clear that you should not be doing. We're not the judge. We are called to love. What if the only reason they're still living that way is because they never were told that they shouldn't. I went, um, I told this story the other day with somebody I was talking to, and I was like, I was, it was quite a few years ago. I had a, um, this, was, uh, this was probably 15 years or so ago, but um, I had a family member that knew a prostitute. And so we ended up connecting and talking for a while and, um, and spending some time together, and I got to find out who she was. And she had been trying to get out of that for a long time, but she had no other experience. And she was never taught any different because that's what she was told to get into when she got old enough. Through that, she ended up having children and so at that point, she was just trying to take care of her kids. She didn't know what else to do. She didn't know there were any other opportunities. She had no idea until I introduced it to her. You know, it wasn't two months later she got a different job. that paid just as well. And she was able to get out of that lifestyle. You never know why someone's doing what they're doing. And we have no right to judge them. We are called to love them. And if they don't know, how are they going to change anything if you don't help guide them in love? We could have anybody come in these doors. And if anybody decided to judge instead of love, I will ask you to leave the doors. Because it's not who we are. And if that's what you want, you can't change our culture. I will love you and say, hey, that's not right. And we, uh, that's not how we do things. And we can have a conversation. But if you're unwilling to say, you know what? I shouldn't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't do something like that. It's the same thing with gossip. We don't deal with gossip here. There is a difference between not knowing that it's wrong and refusing to accept that it's wrong. If the scripture says it, that's what it is. I didn't mean to go there, but... 
to me, it is, it is a passionate part of loving people. No matter the circumstances, no matter where they're at, it is, it is the greatest thing to ever do is to just love people and let God do the rest. All right. Keep trying. <laughs> so John 21, 15 through 17. So when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, his reply was, and my lambs. So he, he said to him again, this is Jesus. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. And Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus replied, tend my sheep. I found this very interesting that Jesus' reply were different every time. But also, when he was saying these things, he was actually saying it a little bit different because the Greek and English are different. So in the Greek, there's the multiple ways of saying love. And in the English, we just say love. But that's not where I'm going with this. I want you to see this, that the initial response was, tend my lambs. Then he said, shepherd my sheep. Then he said, tend my sheep. So it piqued my curiosity, and I was like, okay, so what's the difference between tending and shepherding and the difference between lambs and sheep? Well, I'm not quite a farmer, so <laughs> lambs are sheep who are a year or younger in age. So they're actually the same thing. It's just a lamb is a baby sheep, basically. So the difference between tending and shepherding is tend actually has multiple definitions. It is to kindle, ignite, set on fire, light and flame, burn, or tend can be to be tender. A shepherd is to watch over and to guide. So I reread this scripture and it says, so when they finished breakfast, Jesus, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, then be tender with my lambs. And he said, and he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, then watch over and guide my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved, and he said for the third time, that he had said for the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus replied, then set a fire on my sheep. 
<laughs> now that tells you what you should be doing. But you can't guide someone that you won't love. Because they see through someone just trying to be a boss. And someone who wants to love and will truly love them. Flaws and all. We all got flaws. <laughs> they all have a past. But I tell you what, every one of us have a future. So stop relying on what happened in the past and let's make a future. And let's see people for what their future truly is instead of what their past had originally defined them as. So let me just tell you, you are not your past. Your past does not define you. Your past should help push you. There are things that you have to learn. If you have not learned from your past, and you need to reevaluate what it looked like. If you can only see the bad and not see the lesson, because there's a lesson in everything that we do, and everywhere that we go, and every person we come in contact with, and every word that we speak or is spoken to us, there is a lesson to learn. First John 4, 7 through 21. Beloved. You know he calls you as beloved. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to, to be the propitiation of our sin. And I just said that wrong, but I'm passionate, and that's all that matters. <laughs> Beloved, if God so loved us, <laughs> we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God 
is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because he, as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. You are known by your love. Our God is known by your love. How many people are failing because we fail to show our God is love. I don't want anybody to lose their life for eternity because we don't know how to love people. Forget about the day-to-day stuff. That is not eternal. If we can stop worrying about the earthly things and can focus on eternity, Everything here is temporary. Our focus is eternity. And we have to be able to get there and get other people there. But they won't see it without us loving and showing Jesus. Jude 1, 20 through 23, but you, beloved, there it is, beloved, again, Some of you need to wake up in the morning and just let the Lord say, you just say, say, good morning, Lord, and hear him say back to you, good morning, beloved. How endearing is that? You, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life and have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others, snatching them out of the fire. Build yourselves up. You know, David had to build himself up all the time. Like we talk about like you have to encourage yourself sometimes. Sometimes there are not people around, but you have to encourage yourself. And a part of doing that is knowing that God loves you. Doesn't matter what today brings, because I have a God who loves me. And we have to see others in that same passion. God loves them. 
If you're having a hard time looking at somebody and and because of something that's happened, let me give you a, a little a little thing that helps. Close your eyes and say while you're while you're in the midst of trying to overcome this feeling, right? And say, Father, come between me and this person and let me see them through your eyes. And then look at the person and see what changes. Because if you're truly looking through his eyes, then that other stuff's going to wipe away. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we exult, and exult means rejoice. So, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult Rejoice. We also rejoice in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. How many rejoice in tribulation? Come on. Thank you, Lord, for this trial. I'm going to persevere. Why did I pray for patience? But I tell you what, don't not pray for patience. Because through it, you will learn how to love better. Your character is built in tribulation times. Going through a rough season? Get a friend. I'm going to wait on that for a minute. You are not called to be alone. There are times you have to encourage yourself. You have to encourage yourself. But those are moments. They are momentary. If you don't understand something, somebody else does. We're called a body. And the body doesn't work if some of their limbs are broken. Why why is unity so important? Because you're a body. And no matter what church you go to, no matter what friendships you have, 
no matter what job you have, no matter what you've been through in your life, we are all a part of the body. And if you're hurting, I'm hurting. If you're hurting, she's hurting. If you're hurting, he's hurting. If he's hurting, you're hurting. Because we're a body. And we're meant to come together. And love each other. Moses had to have his hands raised while he didn't have the strength. Moses. This man everybody talks about. He had the staff, did all the plagues, had the, got all the commandments and got all the, uh, the, the temple built and all these things that Moses did in his entire life, but yet in the midst of war, I can't hold my hands up and we're losing the war. I think that's a prime example of the need for each other to love each other. In the midst of war, somebody's got to help hold up your arms. And sometimes, that's even in keeping in worship. Did you know we help each other worship? We help each other praise. We help each other see God when we can't see it. In the midst of trials and war. Every person goes through a war. War doesn't mean that you had to be in the military. Or on the police force. Or a firefighter. Or a first responder. I was in the military and I'm a first responder. But I tell you what. The greatest war that I've seen is in the body of believers. We are all in a war taking back what the enemy has stolen You know, that's what we're doing. Our call to love is taking back what the enemy has stolen. Because what he has stolen is people's reality of love. He has stolen their hope. He has stolen their dreams. He has stolen their bodies. He has stolen their families and their relationships. And us being able to love restores the heart And the heart restores the mind. And when you renew your mind and change the way you think, your view of others, even your enemies, will change. We are to love our enemies, we are to love our neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? Whoever comes in your path. And that includes enemies. 
So love can be messy. Me and Ren were divorced for two years. That was messy. But I tell you what, we are not who we used to be. I would not be standing here, that's for sure. I don't think most of you know this. Okay, so when I was little, I was so shy that if I was called in front of my class and had to read the lunch menu, I would run out bawling. Change of life. But let me tell you this. If you call yourself shy, stop it. Because the Lord was very clear to me. Shyness is not a character trait. Shyness is fear in disguise. And your claiming fear over your life is not who you are. So stop calling yourself afraid. Because we were called to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's not afraid. That is bold. So stop accepting it for your life because the acceptance of it allows it to flourish. Allows it to keep a hold on you. Love is the sun. Jesus gave up everything. Everything he did, he saw the Father was doing. And the God is love. Every slash on his back and on his front and on his sides. We like to think that he only got lashes on his back, but that's not reality. Every piercing of the crown of thorns on his head. Every stabbing from the nails. You know he got lashed before he carried the cross? Could you imagine? Having all your muscles and bleeding everywhere. And having to carry... A cross that fits you. And it's probably larger than you are. The amount of pain that you'd have to be in. To hanging there and being mocked and ridiculed. Naked. I know everybody likes to think he had something over him, but he wasn't. He was naked. Because they cast lots for his clothing. Hanging there. Being ridiculed. And then turning and having one last person to say, you're going to see me soon. I needed all of it because he loved you. 
You loved every moment of the thought of your, your birth to every moment of your life. And he's excited for every time you do something that you like or enjoy. When you speak to someone and encourage them, when you realize who you are, he's excited. And he sings over you in the morning and at night. So it might be things we don't want to do. As Jesus prayed, he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours. In everything that we do, it has to be love. Because God is love. His character is love. Love is who He is to the core. He was love before He created the earth. He is love after it will be gone. He is love in every moment for every person. He is the definition of love. What if when we were looking for something and wondering what God had, if we just looked for him and his love? And that would be our answer. Revelation 12:11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. You overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of your testimony. Don't let the enemy rob your testimony. It sets others free. If you haven't testified what he's done in your life, you need to. Because it's a part of your breakthrough and it's a part of other people's healing. It doesn't only rob you. It robs the person that needed what you had. A super simple example. I was preaching one time in our old building. And I gave a testimony of my feet and how the Lord healed my feet. When I gave the testimony, somebody in the service got their feet healed. I didn't pray for them. We were in the middle of preaching. 
and their feet got healed and they came to me afterwards and they danced. Your testimony, even when it seems insignificant, could be the miraculous healing for someone else. And they did not love their life, even when faced with death. I think we look at death as if it's something that you're on your deathbed. The old sickle coming out, and he's going to take your life, right? But people die slowly every day. So if you will not worry about your feelings in it, care more about what you're feeling than what you're being told to do, then you're not loving your life even unto death. Because the opposite of giving life is to slowly die. Is this, is this making sense? Like, are we getting it? Like, your, your death is not just, oh, the end of my life, I'm going to die. The death of your spirit is every time you're not obedient. It robs your faith. It robs your joy. And then you turn around and say, oh, I wonder if I should have done that. And then the next time, you're even more hesitant. Or you're not. You could be that person that says, you know what, I'm not going to miss another opportunity. And he will always give you an opportunity. Why? Because he wants you to love. And he wants to love you. And he wants to love her and him and him and her. And you may very well be the closest person in 500 feet. <laughs> As Dale Mass would say. <laughs> Question is, is will you let him teach you to love? Because love is a process we should grow in our entire life. We should get new revelation and new revelation and new revelation of what love looks like because we are not perfect. And until we have been perfected and are with him, we are always going to grow in it. And my love for you will always grow to another level. My love for my kids are always going to grow to another level. My love with Ren is going to always grow to the day that we die. And that's with or without feeling butterflies. Others before self. When we hesitate, Lord, is that you that wants me to tell them Jesus loves them? Because the devil would totally tell you to do that. 
It's growing your love. It is subsiding your personal feelings the other before yourself. That's putting someone else before you. Saying, this is awkward. This may sound kind of weird. But uh, I'm practicing here in the Lord. Hey, give excuses. Are you practicing here in the Lord? And I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you that Jesus loves you. It's okay if you blame the Lord. He's literally telling you to do it. (laughs) It's okay for you to say, oh, I feel like the Lord is telling me because he wants you to depend on him and that's you leaning on him. That's your reliance. He's your assurance. He is your freedom. He is your overcomer. He is your breakthrough. He has everything that you need. And whatever you think you don't have, it doesn't matter because he's already got it. He's got it. And if he wants you to do it, he's got to be the one to fulfill it anyway. He's going to give you the words to say. To show love to people who don't know love. He is the fire in your eyes. He is the passion in your heart. He is the butterflies. He has shown me butterflies and dragonflies my whole life. And he's had them land on me all the time. Why? Because I like them. And he knows I like them. He will have deer run across my path. Out of middle nowhere. For no reason. In a place that doesn't make sense. Why? Because I like them. And he shows me love. Your way of being able to see love is completely different than mine. So it could be a friend saying, hey, let's go to the shooting range. Because you needed a day to go out and whatever. And just not think of everything else. Hey, let's take some time. Let's go some shoot. You could go hunting. That could be your thing. You could go to the lake. And be able to just watch the water. You can go fishing. I personally am a fan of all of them. (laughs) I am, I like almost everything. And the Lord has been gracious enough to be like, oh, let's just do all of these. (laughs) But he knows you. And he knows them. You don't have to know them to be able to reach them. I have ministered to plenty of people I have never been in their situations and just loved them and was able to be able to reach them. I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't, I I didn't have, I had my mental breakdown when I divorced Ren. (laughs) You know, I, I've been through some stuff. We've been through some stuff. 
And in the process, we allowed the learning. If I, if I correct any of you, understand that it is not because I'm trying to be mean. It's because I love you. And if, and if there's something that needs to be shifted in a little way, that's like, oh, that's probably not the best thing for you. If, I understand you probably just don't know it's not the best, or you have a different perspective than I do, and you can tell me what that is. And I am fully willing to take correction because I ask for it all the time. <laughs> I do. I have multiple mentors in my life that I look up to and I ask them consistently, is there something that I should change? Is there anything that I need to, need to adjust in my life? Like, is there something that I'm not seeing? When we were at Greater Things with Joe Moody, I, I asked her then. I was like, okay, before we get started, is there something else? Is there something for me that you feel like I need to shift on? I ask her that quite a bit, actually. <laughs> but you need, you need to have somebody with you that you respect that can give you advice when you're in question. And we can just love people the way that God called us to love people. So, I love you. <laughs> we want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.